Sales Tuners, episode 127, Jess McQueen, account executive at Springbuck. And you have to be genuinely curious, probe, even if it's time consuming, you know, the best call could end and you never show your product or anything. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuner's time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Carol Burnett, who said, only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. This week, I'm joined by Jess McQueen. Born and raised a Hoosier, Jess has been in sales pretty much her entire career, with one small hiatus to pursue her first love of auto racing. She's a mom of two dogs and, like me, a huge true crime junkie. Today, she's an account executive at Springbuck, a health intelligence platform that focuses on what is often the second highest cost to a company outside of wages, and that is employee benefits. Her team has recently rolled out new tools that not only drive costs down, but ultimately help employees be healthier. Together, they are preventing disease with data. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 127. But now, let's get to the conversation where Jess talks about what freedom means to her and why she does what she does. It actually took me a minute to kind of think about this. You've asked me this in the past, and I, I don't know if I've really had the best answer. And I took some, a uh, little bit of soul searching, and I, I find the answer to be, I think, centrally around freedom. <laughs> Honestly, like I have a passion for solving problems, uh, exercising my EQ, you know, my, my human skills getting to learn from a lot of intelligent people around me. I think that at the end of the day, um, I want to be successful so that I can have the freedom to make my own choices without having the resources to see them through. Like I don't ever have to worry about that. So I have to imagine that will mature over time. But right now, that's definitely it. You know, freedom is such a huge driver. And it's interesting to me. Um, you know, I, I've done a lot of social training. As you know, I'm on this year-long trip around the world that while completely fascinating and freeing, if you will, I, I'm always looking at everything now from that concept of the grass is always greener, right? So I'm now doing some of the stuff that I always wish I could have done. But now that I'm doing it, I kind of wish I had less freedom. I wish I had more constraint because inside that constraint, I felt like I was more able to be me. So it's really interesting that, that, that we do that. So I love the fact that that is your drive and your passion was taking you to what you want to do. So be interested to see once you start to accomplish all those things, how things might change for you. So just I know that for you, expertise in, in the field, right? Uh, not just in the sales process, but expertise in the field that you're in is, is critical to success. But when you walked into Springbuck, uh, you know, you, you were handed scripts and you listened to a lot of calls, but it wasn't working for you. It wasn't resonating. What, what was the issue there? No, Jim, it really wasn't. Um, and you know me, I don't do well with not doing well. Um, and I don't, I get kind of frustrated when I'm not succeeding. And as I've gotten older, I just want to step back and ask why that is. And what I realized is personally, what makes me successful, I think is a lot of things, but I guess if I had to narrow it down to a few things is, um, I think you need to be able to be an expert in your in the market in which you're selling into. So for me, I 
feel like that sometimes is accreditations almost. So I've actually proposed this idea of getting my license to become a health benefits consultant. I think that that would enable me to really understand what it's like to walk in their shoes, truly make me an expert in the space. And we might talk about this later, but I don't think having the answers to all the questions is always the right path. But even just in the way of the questions you ask, it can prove your credibility. So being a being an expert and also empathizing, really understanding what it's like to, to be in that person's mind, what they're struggling with, it really comes down to empathy and expertise. And so when I was handed all these scripts and I had no idea what benefits were or truly what the mission was we were trying to solve, I had to go back and I really, I said, if I've heard this quote once and I think this will make sense. If you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. So for me, as long as I could understand and live and almost see it through their lens, I think that made me so much more effective because I spoke from experience. And after that, things really started to change. I'm completely with you. I, I want to understand uh, what the things are changing, but I love the fact that you suggested the idea of actually being able to go out and get your certification to be a, you know, a benefits uh, a broker because that will allow you to truly speak the language. You'll know the mindset that they're in. You'll know how they talk about certain things. You'll know the challenges they have to overcome. And just by getting that experience, it's like, oh, okay, let's have a real conversation now. You know, just I think back to one of the first roles I had in sales was selling SEO and the only reason that I was successful there was not because I was good at sales. It was because I understood digital marketing. I understood SEO. And the level of conversation I could have with the people that I was selling to, they're like, oh, this guy gets it. He's not just trying to sell me something. And, and I've, I've been on my high horse for this for the last probably three or four years. I strongly believe, uh, strong opinion, strongly held, that the next generation of great salespeople will be product or subject matter experts that are taught how to sell, not salespeople who are taught products. I, I strongly believe that. Amen. I used to, what Tinderbox became Octave, I used to work with this really incredibly intelligent individual, uh, Josh Clayton Feingold. He was my SME, if you will, my subject matter expert. And for the life of me, I could not get over the idea that I was getting paid and he wasn't. <laughs> We changed up our incentive model, but it never made sense to me. I was like, you just did so much work. I want to be more like you and less of this like salesy person. And I maybe that's where it started for me is I couldn't tolerate or I wouldn't tolerate for myself to not own the same level of information he had. Because I think that ultimately that solved the most problems for our customers. Totally. You know, I, I think just the, you, one of the things that I've always admired about you is you are always on this quest to be better, quest to improve. I know you've got a thirst for knowledge, but you said something recently that just really resonated. And, and that was that you haven't always trusted yourself. What do you, what do you mean by that? I might fumble over this, this answer a little bit, but I think that, man, my gut has led me in some really incredible places. And I think when it comes to what I'm doing, who I'm working with, my intuition has oftentimes been right. And I didn't always trust that. And I found that to be kind of a rarity in the world. Um, I didn't realize that was kind of a, a superpower, if you will, to have that um, intuition. And it takes courage to act upon it. And I think as I've gotten older, I've, I've only been validated through experiences that 
it's worth being courageous enough to trust yourself and not just listen to everybody else. And that's some of the advice I offer to people nowadays of any age, because I think we can get old enough and forget it. And I think we can be young enough not to realize it. But even something like when I was in college, I thought I was going to be a nurse. My, my parents were telling me to be a nurse. My friends are all going to be a nurse. Oh my gosh, you know me. I wouldn't have made it a second. I was in <laughs> six months of that course. And I, I asked myself, like, what do you really like? And I think at the time I interpreted it as a gift of gab, but I really loved communicating. I really loved the idea of kind of saving us all from whatever was happening with our voice and our communication. Words are very powerful. And I was like, I think I want to do that. And ever since then, it's been such a validating moment to, to kind of, it makes sense that you're being pulled towards something. I think every now and then we should start listening to that a little bit more. Um, you, you talk about trusting your gut. How do you separate that intuition of always being right from you actually always being right, right? And here's where this question is coming from. You've said it before. People don't like people who think they have all the answers all the time. So how do you separate that intuition from being right? I think you can be intuitive about something and not always be vocal. I, don't, I mean, there's a difference between making assumptions and trusting your gut. Um, you you kind of have to have this constant balance of listening, listening to the world, listening to yourself, listening to the reactions that you're, you're seeing from what you're doing. So I think being cognizant, you can trust that you want to try something or listen to your intuition and, and lean into something, but that doesn't always necessarily mean you have to be super vocal and always go in with this degree of certainty. Trusting yourself, I think, is allowing yourself to take the first step. And I think once you're there, you got to keep keep aware of where you're walking. Trust, not blind trust. <laughs> trust, not trust, but verify, as uh, Ronald Reagan said in the 80s. Um, Jess, I know like you are a very detailed person. Uh, you are very process focused and driven. I, I think that's one of the things that separates you from other people. But what, how, how would you describe what what your process is? How do, how do you come up with that and, and stay aligned with it? I'll say that for me, I learned, maybe it was kind of um, implanted in me, if you will, I, the sincere interest in understanding the problem, which is oftentimes done through discovery. So I'll do some research on my own ahead. I think that we have an obligation to that. There's, it's rare that you're sitting in a, on a call that wasn't scheduled that you didn't work for, that was booked for you. It's your, your responsibility to go and understand as much as you can about that particular person and that company before you get on the call. But primarily when I'm, and I love the idea of 30 minute calls on that first introduction, because ideally the way things go is you, you set expectations that half of this is going to be about you. And it's really important that you not get upset about that because at the end of the day, you're going to want me to understand what your problems are, really create some equal business stature there and saying, hey, I am sincerely interested in understanding more about you, the organization, what you're trying to solve. Where do you want to be? And I think at that point, which is a real struggle for me, is you just got to listen and you have to be genuinely curious, probe, even if it's time consuming, you know, the best call could end and you never show your product or anything. I think the best calls that people walk away from, and I've been sold to, the best calls can oftentimes be the one where you as the person being sold to spend the whole time talking. But, you know, any event, 15 minutes of conversation, and then that's where we shift gears. And now I have the context I need in order to tell you what we do in light of what your problems are, what you, where you want to be. And then from there, um, you know, in sales, we have a typical structure of 
that leading to talking about our product, our business, our services. I don't want to say a demo because I, uh, you know, I like the idea of maybe not always showing product, really staying focused on the solution. I love hearing you say that because, yeah, and you know, you can imagine this. So many salespeople, they're so fast. They want to get to the demo and they use that word like, let me just show you the demo. Let me just show you the demo. And it is never about the demo. It's just not. It was funny to me, just as you were talking, you said, look, I've been sold to before as well. And when I walk away from a conversation and I feel like, wait a minute, I was the buyer here and I was the one who did all the talking, you kind of seem a little bit confused, but you also seem closer to that product, that service, that offering. And you know, I've said on the show, the greatest presentation as a salesperson that you'll ever give is the one your prospect never sees. And that's because it's the one where they're doing all the talking, they're revealing everything, and you're just sitting there listening. But I think that it's, it's a societal thing. But I also think that um, maybe there's just some, some more training that needs to go on. But you, you mentioned the idea of being genuinely curious. Like We need to stop talking as salespeople ask more questions and truly listen. We're getting away from the idea of, of listening to others. And you even talked about it earlier, that notion of people don't like people who have all the answers, right? It's the same thing as a salesperson. If you just come and tell me and like, you know, do the, the throw up all these answers at me, like I can't connect with you as a person and you're going to push me further away. So love the fact that you're unwilling to call it a demo at that point. It takes time. I mean, maybe listening to so many podcasts is really turned on my ability to listen. Um, but I will say that I like when people ask me questions and I feel that people would probably like that in return. I love when people ask me questions about myself and we're all really interested in talking about ourselves. But I mean, it's gotten to the point where I'll even ask questions that I think I know the answer to and I might get a different answer and, I'm, and I've learned something then. So I, I, yeah, I, I really believe in that. I think that's maybe a pillar that's underneath every single step to a sales process is it's not just during discovery take every opportunity to to let that person speak can can you give me an example jess of what you just said uh what i heard you say was um you now will even potentially ask questions that you think you already know the answer to give me an example of that an example of that would be i asked somebody yesterday uh really like a really good conversation. You know, you just get on those calls and you're like, oh, this is going to be good. It was one of those. And just a lot of report felt really natural. And at one point he said, you know, I just really, and again, I should remind maybe you or our audience today is that I sell to salespeople. They call themselves brokers or consultants, but inevitably that's what they do. And we are going to be an asset to their strategy. So really I'm helping them sell themselves and, and how intelligence can play into their their kit, if you will. And he said something to me that is blatantly obvious. I don't like to target groups that are less than 500 employees. And to me, as a sales rep, I'm like, well, duh, of course you don't. Like, who would want that? It's less money. And <laughs> he said, and I asked him, I go, well, can you expand upon that a little bit? Why don't you like selling to groups less than 500? And he goes, I just feel that I'm interested in working with people that have a bit more um, taste for curiosity and a bit more interest in innovation. And I don't see that a lot with the smaller groups, which what did that tell me? Awesome. Because we're one of the most innovative technology solutions on the market. Of course, I didn't throw that up on him, but I think it was important to me. What I learned is that all right, if he likes people like that, maybe he's like that too. And and I'm not going to be um, so shy with our the strength of our platform when we eventually do 
shift sides. There's, there's oftentimes when I do uh, coaching with some of my reps, right? Like I will go through their discovery question uh, with, with them or, or review the, the call from the discovery session and they'll have some facts listed down. And I'm like, hey, why don't you get back on the phone with them and ask them the answer to this question? And like, well, it's right there. It's, it's written down. I'm like, no, no, no. Just ask it again. And sometimes when you know a question, they will just elaborate, right? Very rarely does someone say the exact same thing the same way twice. And so when they elaborate this time, they're giving you more context in which you can hang your hat on something. So in this case, you know, you talked about innovation, but those things matter. But we have to be willing or vulnerable enough to be willing to ask those questions and maybe even look a little bit silly for asking at the same time. So I appreciate uh, you sharing that. Just in, in your career, you, I know you've been at companies where you were 100% responsible for building your own pipeline. You've also been with companies where you know, almost 100% of the leads were given to you from a marketing department. I'm not sure what the case is at Springbuck, but can you talk about the, the real differences there? And, and obviously, it's more than just I get leads handed to me first. I have to go uh, fight for everything. But talk about the, the, the difference there. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I And you know what? I'm happy to say Springbuck is right in the middle. But I think some differences, and there's a lot, when you're doing a lot more outbound, you have to be extremely diligent. It's not always easy. So you have to find really effective means of doing that. And for me, that's always been phone calls. And more so, I go on site. And I think that that's because I have to adhere my sales process to the way that my buyers buy. So you know, they're consultants. They spend a lot of time in person making presentations, dropping things off every now and then. just And that's brand new to me. I've been selling software um, my entire career. So that's been a shift. Um, but they like it. It resonates with them. And so I think that always being cognizant of who your buyer is, I think that that's kind of a really early place you should start when you're thinking about your efforts on an outbound perspective. And inbound, I think that you need to be able to disqualify as much as you qualify. You can easily spend your time you know, with a prospect that isn't necessarily in a position to buy. And I think that it's important that you understand what those key indicators are back to process. And I also think that I was just talking about this the other day with a former colleague. I think there's also a lot of a, there can be some bad habits that are formed with an inbound funnel. And I was victim of this too. Not victim, I should say. <laughs> really, I, I actually did this and it's not good. It's kind of this mentality, the surplus mentality. You, you stop selling as much because you know there's just another one waiting for you. And I hate that. I hated that. I felt like I wasn't really selling anymore, which you might definitely feel more in an outbound perspective. Yeah. When you're, when you, when you're responsible for everything and there's nothing behind the lead that you're talking to right now, you take extra care to, to cover as many uh, bases as you possibly can to look for any opportunity there is. But you're right. When there's just a plethora of opportunity in front of you, it's like, yeah, this one's not perfect. So I'm just going to discard. I'm going to push it to the side. So it's funny how we as humans have that grass is always greener mentality at all times. It doesn't matter wherever you are in your life. You always look at someone else and say, well, they've got it made because they have that or they get to do that. So it's just fascinating. So just I, I can't let you get out of here without asking this question. What is your passion? What truly drives you? You know, personally, I wish more people would ask me that. And I wish that I asked more people that. And there's proper ways of doing it, right? You don't just walk up to someone and say, what's your passion? For me... That might be a little bit creepy. <laughs> sure, there's there's a there's an art to it. I'm sure. I am. I, I think we started the conversation off this way. I am extremely into 
crime as a whole. I think it's a fun, it started out something very fun, but as I've gotten deeper into it and I find myself in my free time researching things, which I never thought I would do. Any opportunity I can to shut off my computer and step away should be um, welcomed. But for me, I just, I trusted my, you know, I leaned into that intuition and I started digging super deep into crime. And with my background in technology, I see such an opportunity for us to introduce really innovative technologies to, to make our system more effective and to honestly improve the process. I think it's actually really broken right now. And yes, there's the Netflix series that gets everybody talking for a little while. But for me, I've just, I've never been able to shut it off. And anybody will tell you, they get me talking. That's, that's always where it goes. And I would love to find maybe my side hustle, if you will, would be to really lean into the individuals that are forward thinking in the criminal justice um, space and find ways where we can introduce technology into the way that we make decisions, evaluate crime, and furthermore, prevent it, not just deal with it. So it's a really big passion point for me. And I would like to one day um, follow my intuition a little bit more in that space. Follow your intuition and follow your passion, Jess. I love it. And uh, I want to find a way to go with you on that journey. We can talk more about that when I'm back in Indianapolis. But uh, Jess, uh, I got to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to my sponsors. But when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And sales sooners, you don't go either. We'll be right back. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back. And it's time for the money round. Jess, are you ready for the money round? Let's do it. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? I would say believing in myself. I heard you ask me this question. And I think about a year ago, the version of me would have replied like, exceptional? Nah, like humility is great. I think belief is extraordinary. I think believing in what you're doing and who you are is, is more than half the battle. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? Listening. I would love to be more of the measure 20 times, cut once kind of individual. And instinctually, I'm not. So I would say stop, slow down, listen, take it all in, and then act. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? Oh, I hate to lose. (laughs) I swear, I was when the Super Bowl was around, they were talking, I think this is actually one of your sessions. Um, we were talking about the fact that a lot of players feel like getting to the Super Bowl is just the first step. They're mainly there not to lose. And I've never like uh, empathized or related to a statement more. I think, and that can be a tough thing, right? But I definitely say I'm the type of person that fears losing more than celebrates winning sometimes. What's a book, Jess, that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? I highly recommend Daring Greatly. Um, it's all around being vulnerable and how that can be a really powerful thing to 
let yourself feel as hard as it may be and watch the fruit come of that particular labor. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Jess's suggestion of Daring Greatly for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. There you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book for Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. And, and I read this book you know, three or four years ago while going through a very difficult point uh, in my life. And it just changes everything if you're willing to genuinely uh, lean into it. So Jess, what is currently at the top of your bucket list? I'm a really big Formula One fan, and I would love it if I could make it out to the Austin Formula One race uh, in October. Nay, I'm saying it now. I will make it out to the Formula One race. It would be my first one. Jess, what's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? Applaud the effort in grinding, but I think for me, find ways to be happy outside of your nine to five live your life um, fully on the outside of work. And I feel that that would, that joy and that kind of that greatness of life that you're feeling would transfer in a really awesome way into your work. Seeking success so that she can make her own choices. I think that's true for all of us. If you want to connect with Jess or just trade tips on Great Crime Podcast, LinkedIn is the best way to do that. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, Become a subject matter expert. There have been many conversations on this show that have talked about the need to truly understand who your buyer is. Jess took that even a step further by suggesting that she actually become a licensed health benefits consultant. Think about that. Are there certifications in your industry that could help you better relate to the knowledge your prospects have? Yes, you could learn these things at a high level, likely through your company's sales enablement program, but what would it take to be able to truly walk in your customer's shoes? Number two. Your questions prove your credibility. Deals are won or lost in discovery. If the questions you are asking can easily be answered, you're not asking the right questions. You want your prospect to actually think about what is being asked, and that means showing you know their world. Use the words their peers use. Explain what you've seen other people like them go through. Then ask a question that makes them shift a bit in their seat. When they start showing emotion, you know you're actually onto something. Number three, listen. Simply stated, but not easily executed. Think about your last discovery call. Were you listening to understand what your prospect was trying to tell you? Or were you really just waiting for them to stop talking so that you could advance the conversation? What does it actually mean to listen? It's the idea of reading between the lines. You hear the words that are coming out of their mouth, but you know there's a deeper meaning. When that's the case, repeat some of what you just heard and ask them to elaborate. Remember, people love to talk about themselves. Let them. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there.